Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with the verse 14. First, let us pray. Gracious God, speak to us today through your holy word that our faith would be strengthened. We pray in the name of Jesus, the word made flesh. Amen. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise shared the same things so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I stumbled on two different surprise pieces of correspondence this week. The first came to me in the mail. It was a typed letter, unsigned, and it called me a heretic for teaching you all about heresy. (laughs) The letter was postmarked from far, far away, so I assume it was none of you unless you really wanted to go to long effort. But it did say that it wanted to issue a warning to the members of this church to be aware of false teachers. So consider yourselves warned. (laughs) The second I found tucked in back of an old notebook, a notebook from my history of the early Christian church class. It was a memo given to the class at the end of a lecture by our professor, Rebecca Weaver. It was a lecture on the Trinitarian controversy and the nature of the persons of the Trinity, and she said, if any of you ever go into a church and summarize all this by saying the Trinity is a mystery, I will come back and haunt you from my grave. (laughs) Now, the good news is that Dr. Weaver is still among us, so I'm not worried about haunting yet. But we asked her, how on earth did she recommend sharing all of this complicated information, including everything from last week's sermon about Christ's divinity and this week's sermon on Christ's humanity? How did she recommend we do all of that without calling it a mystery? And she said, well, you explain everything to them. You tell them about substance and being and creator and creation. Give them nuance and history and debates and division. You all but bring them to their knees, begging for release from the minutia. And only then may you tell them that it is a mystery. (laughs) It is a giant, beautiful, bewildering mystery, well beyond the capacity of any of us to understand it. And thanks be to God for that. It is a mystery. Last week, we were reminded Jesus Christ was fully divine, made up of the same substance as God, infinite and omnipresent, the very word of God, 
And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Arianism was the movement led by a priest named Arius that denied that divinity, believing that if we were to lift Jesus up to that level, we then by default place limitations upon God. But the church ultimately denied Arianism. Though perhaps it's no surprise to you that while some folks wanted to deny Jesus' divinity, others sought to deny his humanity. Docetism comes from a Greek word, to appear, as in Jesus only appeared to be human. It was an illusion, because in reality, he was only divine. Now, I have to tell you, for a long time, I assumed that docetism was more like these other heresies that we've been talking about, seeking to resolve tension inherent between holding two seemingly contradictory things together. If Jesus was fully divine, how could he be fully human? I assumed it was a heresy born out of the limitations of the human mind. But in fact... I learned that docetism was born out of something else entirely. It was born out of displeasure with the human body in general. Because did you know that bodies do some things that are often best not discussed in the pulpit? (laughs) Have you ever seen a human birth? It's messy. And even eating. Eating is superhuman because it might be okay on this end, but the human digestive system is impressive, and surely the Son of God was never actually reduced to the sorts of things that happen in the restroom. I'm not making this up. The very suggestion of it threw theologians into fits. God would never suffer the humiliation of needing to use a toilet. And don't get them started about what happens to a human body when it dies, even a death of natural causes. You see, human bodies, they are just too disgusting for God to inhabit. And that God would suffer, that God would be subject to human pain, well, that was equally insulting and incomprehensible. So there were two main stories told to get around all of this. The first was that Jesus seemed human, appeared human, but was just a phantom, a really good phantom, a very compelling one, but still not actually real. This expression was always a minority approach, though, because it was an undisputed historical fact that a man named Jesus died a terrible death at the hand of Pontius Pilate. So the second story was that Jesus was indeed truly human, and at his baptism, a divine Christ spirit entered into him. And that divine spirit remained in him and enabled his powerful deeds and all of his powerful words. But then that spirit departed, returning to the Father before the person of Jesus was crucified. That way of thinking yielded impressive compartmentalization. Born a human, died a human, not a human in between. 
But one of the main problems with docetism is that it meant you are only left with a limited understanding of resurrection. If Jesus never really had a body, then resurrection could only be a matter of the spirit. Or it could, at best, only be fully and finally understood as an escape from the body. But the New Testament goes to great lengths to make it clear that Jesus' resurrection was a bodily resurrection. Every account of the tomb tells us there was no body left behind. And Thomas cried out on behalf of all of us, I need to see the marks on his hands and I need to touch the wounds of his body. I need to see his body, his real body. That's what Thomas was saying. And because Jesus knew that bodies matter and that bodies would always matter, that's exactly what Thomas got. And then don't forget the words Megan read. Since children share flesh and blood, Jesus himself shared the same things so that through death he might destroy death. He had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect because he himself suffered. He is able to help those who suffer. To deny the humanity of Jesus Christ is to deny the incarnation. The reason we say that God is with us in our suffering, the reason we find comfort when the very worst things have happened is because we believe that Jesus knew exactly what it feels like to be afraid or to be betrayed. He knew what it felt like to have a broken heart and he knew what it felt like to have a broken and failing body. And he demonstrated through resurrection that brokenness of every sort could and would be healed and made whole again. In dying a human death, Jesus destroyed that death. Not keeping it from us, but assuring it would never be the final word. Because Jesus was human, death has lost its sting forever. If we deny Jesus' humanity, we deny the full power of the resurrection. Now the truth is, docetism never got near as much traction as Arianism. It didn't end with a treaty or a convention or a creed. I do wonder, though, if it might not be one of the more insidious heresies, one that still plagues us today more than we realize. In Genesis, we're told that God created the human body, shaped in the image and likeness of God, and called it good. And then in case that wasn't enough, God came to earth in a human body, both of these separate, but even more so together, mean the human body is holy. The human body is where God has chosen to dwell. Which means I believe it is not too much of a stretch to say that we are guilty of heresy every time we forget 
that bodies are holy. Late last night, I woke up to my phone receiving a flurry of text messages, friends trying to confirm that another friend and his family was okay because there was a shooting in Baltimore uncomfortably close to where they live. Our friend was okay, but someone else's friend and someone else's children are not. And this is what happens when we forget that bodies are holy. Last week, we prayed prayers laced with lament when 10 lives were lost and 10 others wounded after a Lunar New Year celebration was interrupted with terror and horror of the highest kind. And this too is what happens when we forget that bodies are holy. In this weekend, the city of Memphis and all the rest of us watching recoiled at the release of video footage showing, showing Tyre Nichols beaten so badly he died in the hospital. This is what happens when we forget that bodies are holy. When we forget that bodies are holy, what happens is not of God. An early theologian named Irenaeus, attempting to shout down docetism in the second century, he said, Jesus Christ became what we are, that he might bring us to be even what he is himself. These words are sometimes paraphrased, God became man that we might become God. Now before you panic and think that we have traded in one heresy for another, what this guy was getting at and what he went on to describe at significant length over multiple volumes of books is the truth that when Jesus came to us, we were brought before God in a new way. When Jesus came to us, we were able to see God in a new way, but we were also meant to see ourselves and one another in a new way too. That's why in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, inasmuch as you have cared for, or inasmuch as you have failed to care for any of my brothers and sisters, that is exactly what you have done to me. The truth of Jesus' humanity, it comes with both comfort and cost. We trust that because Jesus knows what it is to be human, we are never left alone to face anything this life throws at us. But because Jesus has been human, every human body has divine fingerprints all over it. And how we treat those bodies, ourselves and anyone else's, really and truly is how we treat God. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.